0: Welcome to the Restless Midlifer podcast, helping you get life back on your terms and recapture that spirit of adventure. It's episode 52 of The Restless Midlifer, and this is a bonus interview with um, a friend of mine who is a fellow member of uh, CrossFit Tailored Training. And don't worry, this is not about CrossFit in this particular interview, um, Mark Telford. Now, Mark, the reason I'm ask, I've asked Mark to come on to the podcast uh, is for two reasons, really. One is because of his his transition his story about transitioning in terms of careers which i think is a great example of how somebody can navigate that that challenging scary um decision-laden process of shifting out of one industry, and for Mark, that was the fitness industry, as somebody who has extensive experience as a boxing coach, including working on the Olympic pathway to uh, coach female boxers, um, Olympic hopefuls effectively, um, and also running and managing gyms. Now, in that respect, Mark had a successful career and, you know, was, I guess, like many of us in careers, you know, you're doing well, and perhaps as a lot of reasons to actually stay in that, but as you'll as you'll see, Mark has this story about how he he found himself wanting to make a transition out for the reasons which are explored in the podcast, and we explore what what was involved for him in terms of not just the decision the practical things like the financial, but the the emotional, the identity issues that need to be taken into account when we're transitioning. So that's what we explored in this particular podcast. I have actually split this podcast into two because there was another reason that I asked Mark along. And that was because of his previous uh, experience within the fitness industry, he has, as well as applying it to himself he work has worked with a lot of people around obviously fitness but also diet and nutrition now whilst we don't get into specific dietary advice um and that's not really an area that i would ever uh seek to comment on myself anyway what we do look at is how his experiences shaped him in him supporting those people that that he's coached in the past but also used for himself to make to reduce the friction in thinking about food, you know, that overhead that you have to think, what what am I gonna make tonight? Or what am I gonna make for lunch tomorrow? That kind of thing, he has a great approach to that. And I've actually tried it out, but I'll report back on that more in next week's episode. So that part, check that out because it's really, really useful. If you want to reduce the friction around meal prep uh, through batching and and whatever, then listen to next week's part two episode with Mark where we focus on that. And I'll give you my update on that. So for now, we're going to focus on Mark's story and, and that transition process, the thinking, the emotions, and the, the sense of identity shift that needed to, to come with that. Um, and any thoughts or feedback, um, any questions for Mark, then email me, Dave, at RestlessMidlifer.com. But for now, on with the show
1: yeah certainly so um I'm Mark Telford I'm originally from Cheltenham but I moved up to the northeast in 2007 um, to come to university finished school didn't really know what I wanted to do went to work for a furniture company then I went traveling for a few months and while I was traveling I decided I wanted to get into becoming a PE teacher came to university with all the intentions of doing that did a placement at a few schools and decided that that wasn't what I really wanted to do, what I really wanted to work with, was athletes. Um, I'd taken up boxing in two thousand and five, and while I knew what I should be doing, I couldn't execute it myself. Um, and I was all—I mean, I was all right, but um, like, I was never going to set the world alight. So I got um, more into the coaching side of it, um, and at Northumbria University and North Benwell Boxing Club in Newcastle, um, just coaching a bit there. Um, and uh, Newcastle East End as well before that. And then um, it, in 2011, I finished my degree, got a job at the sports centre at the university, just working in operations, working in fitness, instructing, teaching spinning, whatever it might be, um, and was coaching boxing on the side. And then I did that up until 2015, became operations manager at the uni, at uh, the sports centre, um, sorry. Uh, duty manager at the, at the sports centre at the uni and in 2016 I was offered a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be a pathways coach for GB um, to run a, um, a talent transfer scheme particularly looking at female athletes going into boxing um, at Northumbria University on a full-time basis as the back end of the funding from the successes of 2012 Olympics So that was a two-year fixed contract from 2016 to 2018. Um, And then, obviously, funding was reviewed as a basis of what happened at the Rio 2016 Olympics. GB came back with the same female medals as um, they had done previously um, in 2012 with Nicola Adams winning gold. So there was no expansion to the funding. um, And unfortunately, that position came to an end. Um, But still... Brilliant experience spending time down at Sheffield at the EIS. Um, Got the opportunity to meet pretty much anyone who's been involved in boxing over the last 10 years. Um, And then, um, then once that finished, went into managing a small independent gym up in Bedlington. And then the pandemic came and I decided it was time to challenge myself to do something different after working in fitness for about 10 years. So I left the gym and got a job at the delivery station at Amazon. Mm. And that's kind of led me to where I am now.
0: Right. And you did that transition whilst you're right, because you've been at the, the, the box, the CrossFit box, Taylor training box for a couple of few years now, haven't you? From-
1: so, no, actually, um, I only joined in December 2020. Right, right, So right. I'd, I, right. I st- I'd, funny enough, worked in fitness for years and I was always one of those people who said nas- so CrossFit I was always one of the biggest people to criticize it and, um, and dislike it. And then when I was working at the gym in Bedlington, um, I was sort of, you know, trying different things and looking at different things and CrossFit kind of came a bit more on my radar about different way they do things. And, um, and then. At that time, my like my marriage ended, and I was and I moved out, and I was looking for something to do that was a bit more social. And I was kind of I trained all my life on my own. I've done boxing. I love team sports and all that sort of thing. And I was like, what am I going to do? What like I needed something to like to do, and obviously with the pandemic being there. It was hard. Like boxing was canned completely. It was one of the last sports to come back, obviously, with it being cross proximity. So I wasn't coaching. I wasn't training. I was like, I need to go and do something. Um, and I was actually living in Saint and and um, I looked at what CrossFit gyms were around there. So this was in all the after the first lockdown. So it was like August 2020, I think it was. And um, I joined CrossFit More uh, in Ridley Bay, and I was a member there. Pretty much between the two pandemics, and then in well, actually lost track of the years with this pandemic, and then in in about December 2020, that was when I joined Taylor Training. So I've been I've been a member there for about a year
0: and six, a year and four months, something like that. Right. Feels like you're part of the furniture. Feels uh, like uh, we've well, been through a bit of a time warp as well. But it,
1: it uh, well, I think part of it is I've come from that fitness background. Um, And with me not having the fitness in my professional life, I kind of miss that. So, I have kind of embraced like the way one of the things I look at CrossFit as is it's team gym. Like the same way you'd go and join a boxing club or a football club or a rugby club or a basketball club or a judo club. When you go to the gym, you go to the gym on your own. But when you go to CrossFit, it's like to me, it's like going to gym club. And that sounds daft, but that's kind of how I view it. It's part, it's like, it's got that team element. It's got that training together with, you know, people. And so the community side of it is kind of the big draw for me. And so, you know, I've embraced that. And it gives me an outlet for that side of my life that I don't have now in my professional capacity. So I guess I probably get quite involved in trying to help and arrange and organize and, you know, advise people and help the lads because, I mean, I've got, you know 10 years of experience in the fitness industry both managing independent gyms and working in you know big sports centers and so just you know if i can if i can offer anything to help mm. like then i do like the 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 box has helped me immeasurably mm. you know in my own personal life so i'd like to try and give back mm. and also to the people that are
0: there you know yeah yeah i know what you mean i, I think i like that and that idea of being team gym because you're right I, i've I suppose that my, as i talked about before, is I'm I've never been a in that athlete category. I've never been a sports person or followed a particular sport. Snoop was probably the most active, active. <laughs> but it was I always went for the solo sports I think yeah. rather than the team, and I never really appreciated the community side until well, particularly during lockdown. I mean, the, yeah, the whole thing, and it's really for me become a something really important to to me as is in that terms of that community, that support, that social oh, interest.
1: I think that's one thing from the pandemic I think a lot of people have realised, you know, that those little interactions mean so much. Like that was, I think that was the thing that hurt me the most in the lockdown. I was running a boxing gym at Northumbria Uni where I would have, you know, probably 30 people every session. So I was probably seeing best part of, you know, a hundred people a week. Tiny interactions, micro interactions with all these people, greeting them as they come in, find a little bit about their life a little bit about their day and over the course of the week having that and then I was managing a gym where I was seeing probably another hundred people so i was probably interacting with 150 people a day let'd like say micro interactions tiny tiny snippets offering someone a bit of help then you know a little back and forth and then to go from that on whatever it was the 22nd of March okay. to, to the only person me seeing was the um my son and and the checkout person at the co-op and I was like, this is horrific. And I think a lot of people have realized that. I think, you know, see if we talk about fitness, you can see it in companies like Peloton and um, stuff like yeah. that. They're obviously skyrocketed during the pandemic because people needed that exercise outlet. But then they've plummeted since because people have realized that, yes, you need that exercise output, but, like, but you need that interaction. And people want to get out of the house because they've been um, – been so locked up and so so trapped that people want those little bits so i think you're seeing you know things like park runs and yeah. and all those sort of things we all you know on a mass expansion um and some of these other things people don't want to be online because we've been forced online yeah. for yeah. for months on end yeah
0: and i think that, that's just for for those of you maybe just sort of joining the podcast um few episodes ago, I will put the episode number in the show notes when I had uh, John Lee and and, and Michael on, who are the owners of CrossFit Tailor Trainer. We talked a little bit about, well, talked a lot about a lot of different things, getting started, you know, getting started after illness or recuperation or even later in age, um, which is something I'm particularly interested in from the restless midlife point of view. We did talk about the biopsychosocial model and Mm -hmm. that that, that bit. And, I, I, you know, I teach this stuff, and it wasn't until I viscerally felt the social thing or the absence of it. And I'm an introvert. You know, <laughs> I'm, I can be all right on my own. Yeah, yeah. But I still found there's something about it. And I think this is the thing. You know, if we're looking to get started, it's about, yes, picking something that works for you, whether it's walking, CrossFit, wh- whatever it is. But if we can factor in some social support, A, it's accountability, it's, it's buddies who keep you going, but it's community and there's
1: something yeah, so powerful about that. Massively, massively powerful, yeah. I think. Seeing it, like, you know, when all the boxing gyms shut and, you know the you know certainly you know using boxing as an example because that's what i mean like when i was at Benwell, it's obviously in a very poor part of newcastle with kids with like
0: mm.
1: very little to no opportunity and we you know we would take them away you know there was kids i took to box in wherever it might be that had never been out in newcastle yeah you know there was kids who'd you know never been out of the country and we would take them to Greece and that that that's that's just our gym and there's you know best part of 100 gyms in the 20s and we're most of which are in the you know less affluent parts of society yeah. and, the, and the opportunity that they offer to their kids and that's just boxing and you've got all the other sports and all the other clubs that are again offering these opportunities to to kids and all of them are gone like all of them were gone in the in the pandemic i mean i know so many boxers that you know stopped or lost out on huge portions of their careers or opportunities and and, and and i think that like that that shutdown you know was just so hard on on so many levels of um that, that being involved in something and loss of purpose and everything like that that like it's almost given a bit of a reset yeah
0: well that, that's uh people are using that word reset the great reset i think sometimes in both uh, both the positive side as well mm. and it's given people a chance to think but i think there has been a lot of that hasn't there you know kids you know a lot of us who built i mean i'm saying us i think i came to value the community and routine ritual more because of lockdown but a lot of people have built their life around these routines and rituals 100 percent. and that, that's the power of that's the power of community, but also the rituals and the routines, isn't it? Which yeah. is partly what I like to talk about. Is how do you get how do you get going and start? Started, which so check out the episode with John Lee and uh, and Michael as well because we do talk about that and obviously I, I talk about it all the time in the episodes. But one of the things that uh, you're clearly passionate about that side, you know, the work you've done, the experience, that all of that. So what was it? You, I know lockdown factored in, but what was it that sort of led to you thinking I need to change a direction then?
1: So. I guess I've kind of done everything I'd really set out to achieve in it. In terms of personal challenge, I'd, I'd set up a gym, a successful gym. Granted, it wasn't my own. That would probably be my only thing that maybe on a personal level I'd like to have achieved in fitness was to like set up my own gym. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I even really want to do that anymore. I think I've kind of done with it. But i I'd, I'd kind of I'd I'd been a duty manager at. Um, the university, which was like their top level, I like, could go. I'd been a pathways coach on Team GB, which was probably as far as I was going to go. Um, you know, maybe like the problem is in boxing, your opportunities to be a full time coach are limited. Mm. Um, in Tyneties and Weir region, you know, there's Gav Rickerton at um, Dateside Academy for Sport running the DICE program. He's the only full time boxing coach in the northeast the rest is is you know maybe personal trainers you know that are boxing coaches but their money comes from the fitness industry and i just kind of had um i guess i'm not a salesman like and you know without being critical of the pt industry the pt industry is a lot about getting people to come back and keep paying your money yeah and and I know that's a cynical viewpoint, but having worked in the industry for that long, that is kind of what it is. And I don't necessarily believe that one-to-one personal training is the the best thing for people. Um, so therefore I can't sell it because I don't believe in it, if that makes sense. So when I do, I do have or have had like PT clients. It's been for like a purpose. Um, you know, like someone who's maybe very overweight, and they've got their their kid's wedding or something like that, and they, you know, it's in six months, and they've got a really set goal of what they're going to achieve or what they want to achieve, something like that. And I can go right, okay, I can buy into that and I can help you with that, but 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 it, that is just not an industry that interests me. So the only real way to, you know, that sounds a bit mercenary, but the only real way to make money in the in the industry is to like pt um or to own your own gym so pt is personal personal training. training yeah or to own your own gym and i didn't have the capital or the resource or kind of real desire to do go through that again i built a gym up um from the day i opened as the manager to the day it closed or to, to the day i left sorry and i kind of had done that and i kind of didn't really want to go through that again um and so I just wanted to go and do something that was different. The other side of it was on a bit of a kind of personal level. I For five years, I'd done a job that was 24 hours yeah. a day, seven days a week, you know. If something went wrong at the gym, they rang me. The rotors, the payroll, the, um, you know, if someone was sick, I had to cover, like, and you know, I, it, it was all day. Facebooks, Instagram. All of that answering every inquiry, dealing with members, managing their contracts, you know, all those sorts of things. And it was like twenty four seven. And then before that was the boxing. And I love the boxing job. It it was such a unique experience. But it was like you were coaching and then you were going to shows and then you were away at weekends, then you were going to training like camps and you were and then you were going sparring and so it was like the day would start at seven in the morning and it would finish at nine o'clock in the evening, you know, every day and it's like and then you got the phone calls, because in this person box and that person box, right? Till you come here, then it would be going down to leads or whatever. And it was just so I've kind of done that for like five years, and I kind of was a bit like, right, get out of this pandemic. I kind of want something where I clock out mm. and I finish and I move on. I mean, one of the other things was people were. And this this might sound harsh. I found that people were very thankless in the in the in the sort of fitness world. Mm. In that when lockdown happened, they were expecting us to continue delivering the sessions, and it was like obviously new technology, Zoom, everything like that. And it was like getting to grips with that, and it's like right, can i log on do a Zoom class, and people were expecting us to get up at five in the morning to do a Zoom class. And it's like, where are you going to do that? Right, so you want me to travel to the gym to do a Zoom class at five in the morning, like, and then come back and do another one at seven and do another one at nine or go and sit in the gym. And it's like, the gy- obviously loads of people are cancelling memberships. And yes, the furlough scheme and stuff came in eventually, but like, I was... I understood people's need and want to try and keep their routine going. But you've, the, you, there wasn't, it was kind of a lot of expectation that they were the only people that mattered. And, you know, I was getting up at five in the morning to do a zoom class. You know, I lived in a flat and it's like, wait, well, I, I, I'm, what, where am I going to do it? So I was doing a zoom class outside at five o'clock in the morning you know, for like three people. Okay. And it's like, so it was mentally like exhausting yes. for me. And and some of these people weren't at work and it was like, because they'd obviously been, for, and you're like, you're working from home. Like there needs to be some give and take here, you know, like, and, and it was, so it was just really tough. And I think the ex- industry experienced that across the board, but it kind of, you know, I was kind of, you know, maybe it was, maybe I was a little bit, I don't know, maybe I was a little bit jaded and stuff at the time anyway, but I did kind of have a little bit of a feeling of like, I've given you everything that I can possibly give you and Mm -hmm. poured it into. And then this has happened. And we're two weeks into a totally new world. Mm -hmm. And you're having a go. Mm -hmm. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow at the minute. Like, you know, like, the day that the pandemic started, people were complaining, oh, I'm paying my membership, and you stopped. And it's like, well, yeah, we have, because the government have told us to stop. If we were allowed to stay open, we'd be open. But at the minute, we've got to get our ducks in order. And and we're trying to get our ducks in order. But we need time to adapt to this new world. And like I say, things like Zoom and and stuff weren't, readily available at that time like they took a few weeks before they started to really come up yeah. so i was doing like um classes on like google whatever google's like equivalent words google hangouts or something it was like how do i search about all of this and yeah. you know yeah. like i didn't own a tripod with a camera and all these things at the start and up and so i think that hurt personally because yeah. i was like I, I love the fitness industry i love helping people i love seeing people progress and like I say, I'm, I've never, ever been mercenary about it. Like, It was probably one of the things that was probably a weakness in some ways was that if someone said that the gym wasn't for them, I wouldn't do the, you know, like Friends on Ross. You know, when Ross leaves the gym in Friends and he gets handed to like 18 different people to make it really hard for him to leave. It's like, <laughs> and one of them's like a really beautiful woman and she eventually makes him stay. It's like, like, like I'm like, look, if it's not for you, it's not that. Crack, crack on. Maybe this might be for you, maybe that might be for you because I want to see people improve and um, yeah. and so with me having that mindset to see people give so much clip back, I was kinda of like mm. oh, I'm, I'm like I'm I'm done. And so I went to do something completely different. Mm. But still using the same skill set, um, like operations and stuff
0: like that. But yeah.
1: but yeah, I just needed yeah. to walk up to give it time away.
0: I think that you know, whatever profession listeners are in or your career, etc. I think that's partly the feeling that Many of us have experienced during the lockdown or at times in life where you get to a point where you think there's got to be more. And you, you talk about being jaded, and sometimes it is the, that thing that nudges you over yeah. over the, the line, doesn't it, to make a choice. And one of the things I like to say is, you know, having, having chucked a grenade into my life, you know, 15, 18 years ago, I did the impulsive rash thing rather than just write, okay, these feelings are genuine. You know, there's nothing selfish, that's perfectly rational and reasonable, the, the experience you've had you want to change, you've got your reasons, let's see how I can do that. Yeah. And you, you, so the way you transitioned then, you've taken the skills that you, that you have built up, the operation side mm-hmm. and all that, into a different role. Yeah. And did, when, you, when you were doing that, because uh, obviously you're doing that now, when you did that transition, do you have an idea of where you were going or what, what were you thinking in terms of?
1: So I know that my skill set is like how I work with people like how I can get people to buy in mm. um, generate buy-in I can motivate people I can encourage people and I can develop people. I know that that's like my skill set. So I wanted to get into a position where I, where those were important mm. so I kind of you know you know I looked at what sort of things there were where I could do that and it was kind of clear that supervisory to, I was I knew I would have to step back to go forward. Mm. Um, but I wanted to be in a, in a situation where I was managing a team, working with a team where I had the opportunity to, you know, influence and, and direct people in. And to be fair, like, when I, when I applied for Amazon, obviously, they're a massive employer up in this area. They're a big, you know, obviously massive globally, but they're obviously expanding in this area. And I was, like, I was, like, I was keen to see what they had on offer. And so I kept looking at their job opportunities. Obviously there's Bowburn just down the road. Mm. Um, there's obviously the two new ones, one of which I work at. There's the two delivery stations, one in Jarrah and there was one in Sunderland until two weeks ago. Um, and they're talking about building one in Middlesbrough. And I was like, this is going to be a big employer with big opportunities over the next few years. And and it's about getting people to work. So like they have leadership principles and, um, I was like, my skill set fits into a lot of these, a lot of it is about how you work with people. And so I was quite keen to kind of join them as an employer because I thought, I feel like that suits me.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, the way that they go about doing things. And, and it's, it's transpired to be that way. Um, but that was, I was like, that's what I want to work in, something where I'll get to work with people, encourage people, develop people and, and build myself really yeah
0: uh, and I think this is one of the things um that I think's important is like you can be, you can feel jaded you can feel a bit run down whatever about a particular career path or what what have you and it's taken that time to go right ho- hold on rather than chucking the baby out with the bathwater to use that that phrase um let's see what are what are the skills and what, and where could else could they transfer to mm-hmm. and and i think it's a kind of a reminder that there is more out there. One of the things I think I've found, particularly with being in police, is you do all sorts of things, develop all sorts of skills. You don't necessarily get a lot of credit accreditation mm-hmm. for those. But you also start to get institutionalized and you tend to feel, or you can feel, I don't know, because obviously I'm out of it now for, for a few years, but I think you can feel like that's all there is. Yeah, yeah. You know that world. And I don't know if that, if that was something you felt within the PT or, or you know, fitness industry. But you, you then start to feel like, I don't know if I've got the confidence or will I work? Will I be able to take this outside? Did you have any of those? Situations?
1: Oh yeah, I think you're spot on. I think that was, to, to be honest, that there, there was that was a massive part of it. Speaking to like my friends back home and I'm really lucky I've got like a really tight group of friends that, have, that we've been mates since we were at school and we speak all the time. Um, and, and one of the things that kind of frightened me was I don't have a lot of hard skills. I've got a degree, not a very good one, granted, but I've got a degree. But I've not got, you know, a degree in law, or I haven't got an apprenticeship in engineering, or you know, yeah. I haven't, I haven't got any hard skills. Like when I was looking at my mates' CVs, and they've got this diploma, that diploma, this qualification, that qualification, um, and and they can say, right, I've done X, I've done Y, I've done Z. I'm looking at myself going, I'm a boxing coach. With a sports degree, and like one hundred percent, that institutionalized. I was like, "Where am I going to go? Mm-hmm. Like, where am I going to transition to? Like, who's going to look and go, right? Well, okay, you're a boxing coach. What? Well, like, what are you offering to me? And so it was really important for me in speaking to my friends and stuff. I was like, "Okay, well, what does that mean that you're good at? Okay, you're good at you're good at teaching people. You're good at conveying ideas. You you know you're an you're a high quality communicator. You understand how people learn." Whether it's through kinesthetics, through their audio learning, visual learning, written learning, whatever it might be, you, and, and you you know how to improve people. Okay, so there's, that's a really important skill set. So where does that translate to? What else are you like? Okay, you're good at organising and planning. Because I used to write like annual plans, for like all my athletes of what they were, what was their aim, how were they going to get there. Okay, so so. Right there, you go. These are, these aren't hard skills, but these are things that you've developed. And where does that fit? Okay, might sound boring, but in a logistical, in logistics, planning, 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 developing, and then relationships. Like, so we've got drivers, the warehouse staff, mm. the flex drivers. Okay, building those relationships, generating results, wanting these people to perform. How do you get them buy in? And then also working with the people up the chain, how does that? Like, okay, th- th- these are soft skills that this company, you know, wants. And, but it was it was one hundred percent. I did, I, you know, I kept saying to my missiles. Like, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? How am I going to, you know, get out of this situation? When all I've done is worked in fitness for ten years and. and
0: a quick update the restless midlifer academy is now open and i'm also running a series of six week reshape accelerator programs aimed at getting your health weight and self-confidence back on track head over to restlessmidlifer.com to check out the programs
1: you know i'm a spinning instructor or boxing coach like what are people going to value in that and it it did take a long time to sort of
0: see the relevance and how those fit in in the rest of the world you know That's such a, I mean, I can relate, and I, I know lots of conversations I have is that you can look at the what, as in what, what pieces of paper I have, what qualifications have I got, and, and you know, that's taken work to get that, but it's ironic they call it soft skills, isn't it, when it's actually, they're, they're the stuff that are hard to develop, mm-hmm. they're intangible, but they're so in value, and it's the how. You know, I mean, for th- this is the thing I learned when I stepped outside of the, the police world and, to be fair, <clears throat> experience within. And I think this is the thing for listeners. If you're in a role and you think, you know what, all I am is A, whatever that yeah, name yeah. is, think about that softer, intangible stuff because that is what makes the difference to lots of, lots of organisations. I speak to lots of people in new business, you know, entrepreneurs. And, yes, they want skills, <clears throat> but they want attitudes, they want communication skills, they want ability to make decision decisions, plan, organise, and commitment, you know, those things. Yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, whilst you might not, you know, if you're in a secure job, necessarily want to trade that for working with some entrepreneur who's on, who's, who's building a new art, a new business, there's a lot of scope in between, isn't there? Oh, huge. And, you know, it could be Amazon, uh, other big massive global um marketplace pr- um, delivery providers are available. Um, they're not really are they? <laughs> Amazon, the Amazon, there are other companies and stuff like that. So yeah. So there's other ways to do it. But stepping away from the piece of paper and the tangible skills. Acknowledge that. But then look at that. So that was a process you said of bouncing that around with Yeah, yeah.
1: It was like speaking to my friends, speaking to my girlfriend and um and just but it took a it took a lot of thought like, like and I turned and it and it was you know thinking about how to how do you convey that as well um mm. you know like on a cv you know or an application form how do you how do you convey those mm. um uh, messages so like so i mean amazon kind of made it easy for you because they have their leadership principles yeah and and what they're looking for in employ employees um and in looking at them and, and saying, right, okay, well, how does my experiences and the things that I've been through and the things that I've done, how do they link to those skills? And that kind of helped yeah, So they were, yeah, that was quite okay. a good frame framework for me to look at. I mean, there's obviously, you know, others out there, but it, but it, but it was really hard, like trying to knuckle down a okay, So what did I really yeah. do as a job? What was, what was I, what was I really achieving? Yeah. Um, because because there isn't anything you know particularly tangible or relatable you know like people who work in an industry you know it's the same if i went into a fitness industry position everyone would understand what i'm saying same as like my best mate his works in video games um and and he went to become a lecturer and then he's gone back to working in the professional field and it it's very easy for him to say, I worked on this game, I've got this qualification, yeah. I've got that qualification, I've managed this team. And another games company looking at it and go, oh yeah, well, you're obviously the boy, come and work for us. Same as, you know, gyms and fitness industries would look at me and go, oh, he knows what he's doing, blah, 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 there's an opportunity. But when you go into that other field, yeah. it, it was uh, it was very intimidating. And I you know, I got a lot of knockback um, in that journey of while I tried to formulate what it was i was doing and it was and like i say the the hard part was balancing that riff. i knew i was going to have to step back to move forward the, yeah. and, and and you know there's an affordability element to that mm. it was like how far am i going to step back how far can i step back yeah. so you were limited in you know in what you could apply for because i was like i'd get i could get that job but i can't afford to you know live on that job so it, it, with it was like trying to balance all that as well, so it was really, really yeah, tough decision-making yeah. process.
0: Yeah, I think that's an important thing. That in doing this change, sometimes you, like you say, you have to take a step back, but you also have to consider that rationally and planning and and you know based on the reality of it. And I think you know, I think that's one of the things that it's doable, but you've got to get real about it. Yeah, you? you do, and and be realistic about the finances and 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 that kind of thing. Um, and check out the, the episode with Pete Matthew, who's the minimum of full money podcast um, episode. I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but I'll put the link in as well. Because again, we talk about that. But I think that's really important, isn't it? Because you can make things a lot worse if you just...
1: Yeah, 100%. And I mean, that was it was also a case of like, I wanted to go somewhere where, you know, where's the opportunity to then step forward. So it's like, I've you know, I've entered in at, at a level and I've kind of had my break, as it were, for that 24-hour day, seven days a week thing. And I'm I'm now at a stage where I want a bit more, and I knew yeah. that that would come. Mm. And so I was like, I want to go somewhere where I'm at the I've got the opportunity to grow up. Like say in fitness, there were, I was at the ceiling, yeah. and, and now it's a place of Where can I go where I can move upwards? And, and um, so looking at, I didn't want to throw myself into something where again I was going to be yeah. at the ceiling, you know. Um, and, and you know there was a lot of like sales opportunities and I was like that's not where I want to go so it's like I want to go somewhere I can f- I can go and I can forge myself a position and, yeah. and look to build on yeah. um which I think is really important as well I didn't just I kind of didn't want to just throw myself into a stock gap and yeah. you know take
0: take more steps back as it were yeah so it's a calculated one you've got a direction of travel like a, r- a rough idea although you might not know what it's going to turn out exactly like yeah but, and the step back is calculated strategic still uncomfortable and scary yeah and i think that's part of it is it's a, it can be a feel like a messy mix but it's just having a having a i guess it's a leap of faith and in, nonsense in um, yeah but you, you still have that idea of which direction you're moving um I, I think the one what you talked about like you're not you weren't 24 hour and you've had that time now to think, right, I'm ready for, was it, was that important to get that sort of space? Oh yeah, I think I'd, let's say,
1: going back to that kind of feeling of like, you know, people being a bit like fountains and stuff like that, I was like, I need to step back from, you know, what I'm doing, and I, you know, it wasn't about becoming a jobs worth or or anything like that, because I'm, I'm not that mindset, like I've, I've, I've always got that mindset of whatever I want, whatever I do, I want to be the best. I want to, in I am mega competitive and to the point where sometimes that is a bad thing. And I'm aware of that. Sometimes I'll beat myself up over things I shouldn't beat myself up about. Um, But there was a case of I needed that step away and view it from the outside and then go, okay, right. I maybe let that become too much. I maybe said yes too much. I maybe didn't push back enough, which I think is, is very easy to do. I think there's, um, Funnily enough, one of my friends, we were talking about the other day, like when you work for companies, they go, we've got an opportunity that we think will push you. Yeah. That And, that, and you know, the reality is that usually means we want you to do more for free. Yeah. Um, or we've got, we think this will be a challenge or we think this will develop your skills. And the, and the reality is, you know, a lot of the time, that is the company going, we don't want to employ someone to do this job, but this job needs to be done. Let's get him to do it. Mm. And it's about, you know, weighing up what those are and how they benefit you yeah. and how they organise it. And, um, I mean, like, one of Amazon's leadership skills is have, have backbone, disagree and commit. And, and it's, it's about, you know, sometimes you do just have to go, this is a stupid idea. This is, yeah. you know, this is not going to work and this is why and and you know you go from there and sometimes you have to you have to kick back i think it's very easy you know to to kind of say yes 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 and to the point where you're you're overwhelmed yeah because you want to impress And whereas sometimes actually the impressive thing can go i'm actually going to say no to that because i because i don't believe the benefit is there in doing it as such I'm gonna step on this and, and I'm gonna do this because I think this is more worthwhile. Um and and but it's taken a long time for me to learn that. Like when I think back to when I was managing the gym, there's things I'd do differently. When I think back to the boxing, there's things that I'd do differently. But until you view these things from the outside, hmm. it can be very hard. Um yeah. I, I, like I'm a very introspective person and I'll like look at stuff and, and quite often like. Where did I go wrong? Which I think is a really strong skill set in some in some capacities, but but sometimes actually where I went wrong was I took too much on. Yeah. Um it wasn't I actually did anything wrong, I just didn't give myself the opportunity to actually mm. succeed in that. Mm. Um and I think that that's something that's been really important. Whereas now I'm like, right, I'd be ready to step forward, but these are my boundaries, these are my non negotiables, this is this is you know. This is where I sit. I've got X, Y, and Z that is my priority in life, so particularly my son, and Mm. that's a non negotiable. Mm. He's the priority, so for me, it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday every other week, and a Thursday night. I look after him, and I would have to find other opportunities around that. I wouldn't, but that's that was that's like a non negotiable Mm. in life, whereas before. I probably didn't have those yeah. and now I've, I've kind of gotta to,
0: got to place them, you know. Yeah. I think that's that's a big, big thing. I work with lots of people and, and I was guilty of it as a you know recovering people pleaser, you know, still have to watch that. It's the drift, isn't it, of the yes. The drift into and, you know, one yes is fine. Another yes maybe. Then but then you're in totally totally more totally different thing. And it's all I think this is one of the things is how do you learn because I, I know I speak to a lot of people who, f- who who are in that place who feel powerless feel like they've got no choice and um, when you when they look back it's because they've taken on a lot of yes or said a lot of yeses because they want to you know they feel like perhaps feel powerless in the relationship or feel like they can't say no because it will reflect badly on their career and all that yeah, and I actually understand. that's where that space or just taking some time to think right hang on a second I'm entitled to think about me I'm doing this job for for reasons outside of work What strategic yeses can I do, and what where does it take me? What direct? I always talk about direction of travel. You know, you don't know exactly perhaps what the the finish line or the goal is going to look like, but you've got a rough direction. And if there's an opportunity to say yes or no, is it taking you in that direction? Yeah, it's got to be a bloody good yes to to divert you off that. But I love that phrase, non-negotiables, because I think how many of us have sat down and said, right, what actually is non-negotiable in my life? And often it's usually when you've been through the burnout or through the the experiences that you work that out. Yeah, um, because it's the drift of it isn't it? It is. It it's is. Like, it's just
1: very easy to accumulate those um, yeah. those extras, those little bits on the side, rather than um, like you say that focus of where you want to be and where you want to go. And it just those little things just mount up, and then like you say, you put yourself in a position where you become the go-to. Yeah. So you're the other way, ah, well. Dave said he would do that last week. He's finished that. Let's give him this one to do. Dave said it. And then, let's like, say, you eventually come to a point where you feel like, let's like, say, powerless is exactly it. Oh, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do yeah.
0: that. Um, it, 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 and it just very quickly adds up. Hmm. It's funny, you know, I, I learn when I do these things, you know, And that non-negotiables was a phrase I used a lot a lot. A while ago but i i think I'm, I'm i'm in a position and not just prompted by this conversation but this prom, this conversation is very timely because i'm in a position where i'm thinking what are my non-negotiables again mm-hmm. like i know them but i haven't articulated them to myself i haven't specified them and they have drifted yeah, Do you yeah. know what i mean there's been a lot of drift over the last 18 months and i think all of us potentially it's worth reflecting on that like, you know i'm clear about my non-negotiables i might have been have they drifted have they changed what are my non-negotiables? What is the direction of travel? So that if I'm going to say yes versus no, I love that. Um, you know, say no and then commit, or what? What? What was it? Um, th- th- uh, have backbone, disagree and commit. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because that's the thing, isn't it? You know, I mean, there's many times I said no and gone back on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think sticking to it once you make it, and and, and that takes a bit of courage at times. It doesn't does it? because there's potential consequences and whatever. But I know, and this is this is anecdotal but the times that i've done that and i've stuck to things it might have been hard painful and led to a sleepless night here and there but it's took me in a better direction yeah definitely yeah.
1: and 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 even in those situations if they if they don't necessarily go right i think it's a lot easier to to deal with a, a situation that you've committed to for the right reasons. So it might have ended up being the wrong decision. Yeah. But if you've made the decision for what you believe at that time to the for the right reasons, then it's a lot easier to deal with it if it goes wrong. I, I personally feel so like let's say going go and doing the the boxing um job as a full time career was you know as a full time position on fixed term contract. A hundred times out of a hundred I would make that same decision again. But on it, when I think back on it as a, a career move and a, an opportunity, and as 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 a you know personal growth and development, I probably put a ceiling on my career for a few years because mm. you know it was a step back. You know, financially, it was a very niche role, but it was an amazing experience, and I and I wouldn't mm. change it. <clears throat> and so, if I hadn't done that, I would probably have progressed a lot further along the operations route than I am. Like say, I was the, you know. I was at a position then in 2015 that really I'm in now in 2022. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of taken me seven years to stay at exactly the same level.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: But I made that decision because I followed my heart. I followed my passion. I, I had a vision and a, and a dream and a, 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 of something that I wanted to do. And like I say, it put a kind of bookend on that phase of my life. And if I, whereas if I hadn't done that, I would always have that question of what if I'd done yeah. that. So I think that it's really important that you know if you the, the, you you look back on the decision and go, I, I made that decision, I committed that decision, and that was my decision, and I did it for me. Even if it goes wrong, yeah. and I think that even on a smaller scale, at worst, if you if you if you feel like you've been pushed into doing something that you don't agree with, and it goes wrong you're going to build resentment. You're going to be, and I think that was part of the problem that I had at the gym with not owning it. I wasn't the ultimate decision maker. And so I was having to do a lot of things that I disagreed with, but I didn't, I wasn't pulling the purse strings and I, and I would have the discussions of going, I really don't think this is a good idea. i really think we should do this. Mm. And then it wasn't happening. And and then I was the one who was having to deal with the complaints the next one and said, and it's like, right, okay, this is really frustrating because we're not going forward and we're not doing it on on my terms. And whereas if I was making the decisions and it was going wrong, I can go, right, I can reflect and go, right, okay, this is, that went wrong. I made the decision for this reason. It went wrong. It wasn't the right one, but now going forward, how can I improve on it? Um obviously in that situation I wasn't really in a position to change it, but I was aware that they weren't my decisions and as a result I was able to step back a little bit from them. Mm. But it also made was part of that realisation that I need to get out of this and need to do something else. But if you if they're your decisions and you're making them for the right reason, then it's easier to deal with they go wrong. And if you're being put in a situation where you're constantly having to go against your yeah. thing, then maybe you think actually this isn't the environment for me. Yeah. This isn't opportunity for me, and maybe that's when you have to look to step away. That's just you know yeah. my perspective.
0: I think I think there's something in it in the sense that um, there've been times in my career, you know, policing where there have been things, um, sometimes on a few occasions, a couple of moral decisions that kept me up at night, and then the next day I just had to say, look, not happy and not doing it, and it kissed the end of certain pathways of career in the police. But there's been others where. I'm just like you say. I'm just not being me, and I'm not being true to myself. And I wonder how many people um, push that down in order to because because you know it's a career, it's, it's secure, all of those things. And you know we've all got to make those decisions. But sometimes we need to step away and go. You know what? These, there's a feeling here. This cognitive dissonance, dissonance as it's called, is is genuine. What is it there for? Why? And uh, because I don't. I think sometimes we don't value enough that. Our values are being crossed, that my opinion matters and actually I can make these decisions. Yeah. Um, and I think that's partly where it's working on ourselves to to appreciate that and value yeah. that. I think
1: so. I think one of the things that I did when I was doing the performance coaching was um we did this thing that was called like a coaching shield and it was like it was like defining what your values are and what your things are. And and, and one of the one of the things that came forward for me time and time again was um integrity mm-hmm. and I can't remember what the phrase is, but like, integrity is doing the, doing the right thing when no one is watching. Mm. I think, and, and, and I think in, in situations where you've got someone telling you what to do and you disagreeing with it and having to do it anyway, you're crossing that value. And if that integrity means something to you, that's really hard to deal with. I think. Mm. I think if you're, if you like, you say a bit like when you're talking about the morality and stuff. Like if your, if your integrity is being taken away, and it's not your choice, then maybe that's not an environment that you really mm. want to put yourself in long term. Because they, like you say, they're the decisions that cause you the lack of sleep at night mm. or the stress mm. and stuff like that. So, in, in, in. So, I think understanding your values and what's important mm. is you know allow you to make those decisions easier um and like I say we have doing various ones but like the shield and shield and like a life a life journey um looking at what what things have influenced the way you feel in your life and, and stuff like that um and okay so what are your re- where do you really what's really important to you mm. and like everyone has different things but but you do, those ones that are like your deepest values, you don't want to be crossing them, yeah. and that's when your real sort of problems sort of come. And I think that is a lot of what had happened with me at the end of my time in the fitness industry. Mm-hmm. I was I was having to betray those values, and like i said, say that's why I'm not a PT instructor. Like, and it does, I, I'm not interested in it most of the time. It's not that's not what I'm there for. Um, so I'm never going to make a career out of it because I,
0: you know I can't sell myself and sell my soul. You know. Yeah. But I think that's really important, you know, because I think, you know, you might be in a career that you once loved, you know. I I mean, I bimbled into the police. It was never something I really wanted to do when I grew up, but Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. But it's changed around me as well as me changing. Yeah, yeah. And it's how do you deal with that conflict? And I think you're right. How... How often do we sit down and go right? What what are what what are the important values to me? Yeah, and are they being honoured? What's really important to me in in terms of we talk about skills and that, but qualities and things. What am I using? Because there was many a job in the police where I felt like you know, what's wrong with me? Because I'm not, you know, I'm not able to be this the kind of person that 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 is expected me in that role. And it was not until I shifted that I realised the qualities that I have weren't being honoured or brought out. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. Having some time. To work through that um, can be really, really useful. There. Yeah, definitely. So that I'm, I'm conscious we're talking because I wanted to get on this <laughs> <different batch laughs> of, but like I think this is really you talked about the shield and the life journey thing. So mm-hmm. is there some kind of way to sort of give it an activity for listeners to do? Because I think these things are really useful. I mean, I, I talk about life chapters and looking at your yeah. story and things like that. Um I've probably got
1: some resources somewhere um that I could actually give you a link to and share. But like so the coach and shield is dead simply, it's like if you you design yourself like a coat of coat of arms right so you physically you draw a shield oh, right. okay yeah yeah you draw a shield yeah and you have a little scroll underneath yeah and you divide that shield maybe into three parts maybe into four parts what matters to you what what is what is important to you in this position what defines you what makes you who you are and what you are so for me, I'm a communicator, mm-hmm. so one part of it is that's my big strength. So I'm going to shout about my big strength as this communicator, the integrity, mm-hmm. being truthful. So like you know, it can be really hard. Like using boxing as an example, what's someone's ceiling? You know, when you you get a box a boxer, a young boxer, and he wants to fight or whatever, and you get a phone call from another coach going oh, I've got this kid for you for your Tommy right what's he done okay my lad's done he's had eight and won six okay Tommy's had eight and won six as well but in my head I'm going he bought he, he six of it three of it six of his wins and three of them were against the same kid oh. so he's actually only really won three he, he lost two he won two of them on a split so he's got this really favorable record but actually, it's not that good. So, Tommy is X, Y, or Z. What's in this? Your kid he's had a six and one two. Or alternatively, my Tommy's had eight and one six, and he's knocked six of his opponent's spark out. Right, your lad is had eight and one six. How did he get on? I oh, well, he boxed this kid three times, and he won not on a split. Okay, I just want you to know, my Tommy is is a is a class act. Hmm. Are you sure you're all right with him? And they might go, oh, yeah, we, i seen him the other day. I know he's hard, but I think it's fair. Okay, that's fine. Um, or in turn, going to them, like, I'll be honest, my kid's had eight and one six, but he, he could very easily have had eight and one one based on how they all went. Um, what's your kid like? And then it's a case of going back to, to the box and going, right, I've had this opportunity. Do you go to the box and say, right, I've had this phone call. Um, you've been offered this fight. I've turned it down because of this, mm. you know, and and say or I've accepted it because of this. Having that relationship and having that being honest with that boxer, you're not ready for that yet, um, or whatever it might be, or you're too much for that kid. Mm. And, and and holding that to a high standard, I'll always remember. That I Had this one kid box for me. He's called um, Mike Carr, and he was like looked at the part and he could punch and he could move but he had zero engine and zero fitness and um a lad called Les Gibson phoned me up for. he was from um, Newton Acliffe boxing club and he goes um, I've got this kid he goes with your lad Mighty and I was like right I'm going to tell you now Les for a minute this kid's going to be the boy and I want you to know because I don't want you to show up because this kid's had loads of experience. He's never boxed, but he's always not around gyms. But I said, if your kid can defend himself and he's fit, you're going to have a good, it'll be a good bout. But I need you to know, because if I turn up with this kid as a no bouter and you see him in the first 10 seconds, you're going to think that I've pulled a ringer on you because he's going to, he's got all the looks, all the moves, everything. But I said, I promise you, he's got no engine. And you get two minutes into it and that'll, you know, that'll all be good. And, and that to me is like really important to be able to, to have that Where some people hold back on information, you know, they're yeah. looking for a little leg up and exactly what happened, what I said happened. Mike, the kid punched him all over in the first round. And then he was like, clearing on for like dear life by <laughs> the end, you know, and, it, yeah. and my, my lad actually ended up winning, but it was like razor thin in the end. And, and, and we both me, both me and Les agreed that it was like, you know, a good a good belt, but it was like you've got to have that integrity and stuff like that yeah. so you know like i said you build up that shield what's actually important what matters what makes you work, what's your matchup if you had a you know if you had like a motto like what would it be you know yeah. what would you what would you define your like so your what is coaching to you what's you as a coach what would that motto be so it's like physically building a shield and then the the, the life journey was you know it's like looking at okay from when you grew up, what what experiences have defined how you are and how have they impacted you? You know what have you been through? Maybe you've been through trauma. So one of the things you know they, they did this. Um, this was years ago. They did this going for gold thing in a, in, for the Olympics, and it was like the amount of the amount of gold medals that had been won by people who had experienced like severe childhood trauma, like death of a ever. Of a, of a, like a parent death of a sibling um maybe abuse whatever it might be but something that you know localized severe trauma the percentage of gold medal athletes was like phenomenal like, like really really high and it's like you know that how do people react to those situations you know what infl- what what do they have what do those situations cause on on people um like So like that journey that you go through to get to these places, how do they define you? And if you can kind of look on, look back and go, I'm almost like this because this is important to me. Because, you know, like if you've if you've experienced a massive lie that someone's that you've lived and grew up with, and you found out a truth, in how are you? How is that going to impact? Are you going to go on to? Become a. Is that that value going to be right? I don't want to ever do that and put yeah. anyone in that situation. So you know, maybe if, you, for example, if your mum had had an affair and it had been kept secret from you, and you'd found out about, it and your parents had split up, that's going to have an impact on yeah. on you and your beliefs and how you are with your like, your family. So it might be that. You actually think, well, my parents did it, it's so all right for them. Like it's acceptable. Yeah. Or it might be the actual flip side, the other way, and, and those have an impact. So it's kind of you just map out your map out your life, um, and and go right. Okay, this is why I made these decisions, and this is why I'm, I've come out that way. And I think those can be really important, to kind of look back on, and and you know, so it says when you're in using that shield as an example, right, when you're in a situation that's what you go back to, okay, am I agreeing with the points yeah. of this shield, yeah. okay, that's what I'm going to wear,
0: mm.
1: um, okay, actually, if I make this decision, I'm going against that
0: value, Yeah, is that the right decision to make, you know? Yeah. I like that, as uh, I'm, I'm big into metaphors and images and, and things like that, and I think it's, it's useful to sort of capture the core things that matter to you, mm-hmm. and look at the reasons why, you know, that, that, that have shaped you. Because obviously there might be a value that you hold, and until you consciously look at where it's come from, you might think actually that's not appropriate, or it's not right, or, or it's very much right. It's because it's too. Hard. Yeah, so, yeah. But you go through that process, and I think having it as a visual thing, where you, what my shield, I love that because then you can kind of at a at a key moment in any decision, you come back to. it, So what is what is what's on my shield? Yeah, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and that's yeah. what it's about. Yeah, and I think for those who are maybe in a place where perhaps have drifted a bit or haven't revisited those, those kinds of exercises. And sometimes, you know, if it's particularly with trauma, if you if you, you know, if that's being brought up for the first time or, or you know, you're not quite ready, then perhaps you, you need support, coaching therapy. Yeah, yeah. It's an opportunity, isn't it, to, to start to reshape. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm conscious, obviously, time. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to get on, but I, there's some great, great things there. So thanks for sharing your story and None your insights. I mean, I think there's a lot to take away from that and think about. Thank you for listening. You will find all show notes, links and resources mentioned at RestlessMidlifer.com. And why not spread the word? If you know a fellow Restless Midlifer, share the show and the links. And if you haven't already, subscribe to it in your podcast feed of choice. And one more thing, if you enjoy the show, it would be great if you could rate it by visiting RestlessMidlifer.com forward slash review. It would mean a lot. And I may even give you a shout out in return. And a quick final thanks to my production assistant, Karen North of North VA and for the music, which is called Silver Star by the awesome Logan Nicholson of Music for Makers. Check out MusicForMakers.com. Take care for now, and don't forget, you really can live a less stressful, much healthier, and more meaningful midlife. Go re-adventure.